What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Mitch Gray Show. Another awesome episode ready for you this week. Um, it's so great to meet all these crazy, awesome people in, in not only America, but in the world. We're going to have all kinds of guests on. And tonight we have another great guest for you, um, Mr. Mike Patchen. Welcome to the Mitch Gray Show, brother. Hey, Mitch, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to an awesome conversation this evening. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to get a good conversation in before you have to continue with your, your uh, evening, I promise. And so, yeah. well, um, so Mike, we're going to get into your um, kind of bio and expertise in a little bit. Uh, but yeah. I just want our listeners to know that you are the founder and CEO of Mountain Made um, CBD company. I may have not said that right, but that kind of gives them the gist. So I want to ask a question. Let's just jumpstart this bad boy off yep. the bat. What do you say? Go ahead, man. Let's chat. Um, why CBD? Educate our people on what made you decide, what, 11 years ago or so, jump into that river to get going. You can't jump into something like that and have the success you have had for no reason. It doesn't just happen, right? So tell us, why CBD? <laughs> Yeah, so originally, so I've been in cannabis and hemp for 11 years. It'll be 11 years in, in, in April. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things. Sometimes you find your path and sometimes the path finds you. Um, honest to God, a door opened literally and hit me literally. And that was my start in the, in the cannabis space, which then led to CBD and hemp. They're super close related in the same plant family. Um, but I had a great job out of college. I was a sales rep. I was cruising, doing pretty good down south. And, and a buddy of mine picked up the phone one day and said, man, do you love it down south? I said, I like it. He said, do you love it? I said, man, what are you thinking? And he's like, well, you know, I was in, I was in living in Atlanta. He said, I was just up in Telluride today, total ski bum town and they need an assistant manager at their ski shop this winter. Quit what you're doing. Pack your stuff up. Come live in our basement. Hang out for a winter. And he caught me at the right time, man. And I said, okay. So I resigned from a job I had had for three years, packed up all my stuff, lived in a basement for two months, got myself settled, moved to the ski town, and just let loose that winter and just had so much fun. It was so awesome. So then April comes and, you know, I'm about to go seasonally unemployed. And I'm not really prepared for it. Um, in, 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 you know, my life, I've always kind of had a job. So I'm looking at it and just saying, gosh, I got to, I need a job for summer. Put on my headphones. So I'm going to walk around this little town till I find a job. And I made it three door steps up from our apartment. Some guy opened the door, hit me with it. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm moving this truck full of stuff into this. I'm going to open a dispensary tomorrow. And I said, a dispensary? Like one of the weed shops? He said, yeah. Well, I said, man, I'll unload your truck for 100 bucks." And he goes, okay, fair deal. Unloaded his truck, got to know him that night. He said, man, you seem like a cool guy. You know a lot of people in town. I said, yeah, I know everybody. He said, I'll see you tomorrow morning. You're hired. You can run my shop. And wow. I said, that's great. That's great. So, I, you know, there was really no more like falling into it than that. Honestly, back then it was glorified drug dealing, you know, in all fairness. We were legal 
but it, it wasn't a sought after industry. It wasn't cool yet. It was rickety at best. And I took the job because I was just in that mindset and tell you, I was already ski bumming it. I've always been a little adventurous. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, what's a summer? Like, who cares? Three months, I can make money, keep a roof over my head. I'll figure it out in the winter. And, you know, 11 years later, I've just never left. I've never left. I feel like, first of all, that's how most people end up in Telluride. Right. <laughs> right. Totally agree. Then you know the town. Yeah, yeah, right. They they either end up there. It's like any ski town like that. Like I'm in New Mexico, and in the northern part of the state, we have Red River and Angel Fire and Taos, and nobody ends up in those places unless they're going to ski, right. or they're just on the flip of the wind, man. Just like yep. let's go try it out and see what happens. That's an epic yep. story, man. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it worked out. You know, and it's crazy because it, my first five years in the industry, I was late twenties, early thirties. I tried several times to leave. I call it drop out. I tried to drop out of the industry and it kept pulling me back. Yeah. I made it four interviews for a pharmaceutical sales job back in like 13, 14 for my buddy's company. They flew me out to LA for a fourth interview and I, I didn't get the job. Wow. So it was like, it was just always meant to be. And you know, during those times again, it, it you know, seeing the cannabis industry now, is like when Hollywood produces a movie about something like during the time of it happening, it wasn't so awesome and glorified and wonderful. Right. When you make a sweet film about it, it looks like the whole experience was rad. Right. So people are like, well, why did you want to leave? And I'm like, look, man, you know, back in 2010, 11, 12, even into 14, you were barely making enough money to live. You surely didn't have health benefits. A lot of the apartments, they, they wouldn't even let you lease a building if that or, or a room if that's how you made your money. It was just, it was a struggle. It wasn't even cool. Like you didn't pick up chicks back then saying you're in the weeds. Right. Or like, right. so you're broke and right. you're like, yeah, you know, like that's so, you know, thankfully the industry didn't let me go. And then in 2015, I tried for five years working for other people, trying to find my own niche in the industry. And I found it in 2015 and haven't looked back since. And, you know, that's just part of becoming an entrepreneur. It's, you know, it's a game of attrition. It's not who's smart. No. I don't think intellect or, or smart has anything to do with it. It's, it's attrition and work ethic. It's who can take the most lumps the longest Yes. And then just a game of odds, you're bound to trip and fall on something. Yes. You know, and then if you can take that something and apply all those learning lessons from the past and accelerate it, then you're successful. You know? Yeah. It's like I, I tell people all the time to be an entrepreneur, number one, you better be passionate because yep. that passion is fuel for something. You may have something specific you're trying to build, or maybe a story like yours where you just kind of you just kind of fall into it and stick with it. Yeah. But, the, but the biggest thing is you have to knock on the door every single day. Yeah. And 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 you can't. Sometimes the energy is better than others. Sometimes you know we on this show we end up talking about mental health and depression quite a bit. And, yeah. And and I'm one that deals with depression. And some days you can't get out of bed. Yeah. You do the best you can to heal, but you have to get up the next day because you're the only one that's dependent on yourself. It's not like you're working for a boss that's going to give you paid time off or, you know, pay your salary. 
it's all about you and getting up and going and doing it. And, and I, you're exactly right. If it's not for the faint of heart, <laughs> it is not for yeah. the faint of heart. You know, it really is. So let's, let's unpack passion and even the anxiety depression piece a little bit. You know, I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm a survivor of substance abuse. Yes. You know, it runs in my family. Um, I still drink a small amount of alcohol. I smoke plenty of weed. I haven't done any hard drugs or I call them real drugs and it'll be five years this summer, which, you know, yeah, I'm really pumped about. I haven't touched a prescription pill in probably over a decade, which I really struggled with in college. Well, entrepreneurial and small business has done for me is, is it's my addiction and it's the healthiest addiction I've ever had, Yes, you know, and, and, and I have a place to, displace my energy my passion my drive my emotions you know i mean i'm up early i work late i'll talk to you till eight o'clock tonight i don't care my wife's so used to she'll walk in and just go i still just hustling (laughs) thankfully yeah you know i met a i met my wife five years ago when i first started my my small business and she had the grace to allow me to expand in that and stuck it out and and, you know that's how I, i really knew that she was the right one but it's a it's a great place for people that have a wild side that's kind of hard to tame and they need wide fences and a lot of stuff to do. The faint of heart, you know, I mean, I look at people with full-time jobs and consistent paychecks and I'm like, you're the luckiest person ever. And they'll look at me and be like, no, you are. And, you know, the grass is always greener. I personally love what I do and I'll never give it up. And I really think I am luckier than some of those people. But I also understand stability. Yes. I'm just not built for stability. If I have too much stability, I'll go back into bad habits because I'll be bored, you know? So it's, there's no better place for someone who has a lot of emotion and needs a constant place to pour that emotion into small businesses where it's at. Yeah, man, you, you and I are, uh, are among the people's cut from the same cloth. I, the seasons in life that I've worked, I tell people all the time, I'm a terrible employee. Am I really a terrible employee? No, not really. Cause I'm a hard worker and I can get things done. I'm a terrible employee because I I just, I want to lead, lead the way from a standpoint of it really irritates me if I'm working for someone and they're not trying to find a better way or they're not trying to grow things or they're not trying to improve things. And I've had situations in life where I'm working for people that it's just status quo. And I'm like, I I can't sit still like that. It doesn't work for me. And kudos to the people that can. The big thing in life isn't isn't either or. It's just finding your path. What is your DNA? And live where your DNA is. And that's, that's why I think your story is amazing because... You're one of those people that have found that and you've been successful at it, but it didn't come easy. And I love those stories. I love the blood and the grit and the gore and the confusion and the the hard knocks because that's what makes it sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's totally true. And that's one thing folks have to watch is when you're listening to a success story is always go back first and look there because you know, we just have a tendency to hero people, you know, take any super successful entrepreneur and I'm not putting myself in the same realm as a Bezos or a Sam Walton or, 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 you know, any of the tech guys. What I'm saying is, you know, them as they stand today, 
yes. look 10 years into the back. I mean, Dyson, who made the really sweet vacuum. We have one of the Dysons at home. 5,200 prototypes over 10 years. He was broke, broke, broke. You know, I mean, he was not cool those 10 years. And now his company, which is privately held, is worth, I mean, enormous sums. He does anything he wants. He was not cool for 10 years. Right. You know, he spent 10 years being the polar opposite of cool right. as we know it. Right. You know, so don't look at people as who they are. Always know it's who they've become. And there's a dragnet story behind them that's caught all the good stuff. And and that's what turns people away from really pursuing small businesses. The idea that you have today, there's no such thing as a million dollar idea ever. There's a million dollar work ethic because the idea you have today is not the product you're launching three years down the road. Right. You know, when I started Mountain Made, I started Mountain Made in 2000, December, 2012, we say 13, but it was Christmas of 2012. And my cousin, who's also a small business owner, at that time, he was married, kids, debt-free, you know, paid cash for a home, very successful. And I was a ski bum. I was broke. I couldn't afford college loans, but I was like finding my path. And we were sitting down at Christmas and he gets teary-eyed and he said, I got to ask you a question. I said, what? He goes, I'm envious of you. I said, me? He said, man, you're in your late 20s and you're fit. I said, yeah, but that's about all I am. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, great. Pat myself on the back. Like, you know, look at you. And he goes, but I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not happy with myself. Mm. And I said, okay, how can I help? He said, well, how are you staying so lean and athletic? And I said, well, you know, I moved out to this ski town and I'm broke. So I can't afford the gym. So I've just been tinkering around with workouts, like in my little 200 square foot room that I rent. And he's like, can you teach me your workouts? I said, sure. So I got to the airport a couple of days later and pulled out my notebook. Because at that time, I was filling probably a notebook every two months with business ideas. Mm. I would write business plans just to walk through the practice. I would build logos just to walk through the practice. I would do just, you know, stacks of these notebooks. So I just wrote down the words, mountain made. It made sense in my head, mountain made. And I had the format in my head, but I, I wrote it down and structured it. And I made a deal. I said, you know, I'll put these up on a computer. At that time, I had to go to the public library. I couldn't even afford my own computer. You know, so I'd go down to a public library and use their computer. So I get on Google Drive and I'd put three a week on Google Drive. And I said, I'll commit to this until you stop doing them. And most people, you know, I'll give you about two weeks. Doing it. 16 weeks later, he was 40 pounds lighter. Wow. And yeah, and to this day, seven years later, he's kept the weight off. He's way more active with his girls. They're both super athletic. He's gotten his life back. Yes. Yeah. That was Mountain May 2013. Yeah. I still have never pulled a penny out of the company. It's been seven years. Wow. Right? So I took that and I got friends and family in shape for several years, dreamed of coaching fitness classes. Mm. fell into that similar to how I fell into weed coached group fitness classes at a, several spots in Denver for two years made a name for the brand kind of figured out the brand paused for a year as I was going through some transitions and reforming my cannabis business and then it just made perfect sense to create CBD supplements for 
activated lifestyles because I've been a huge advocate of using cannabis before fitness pre-workout. Okay. So it was an awesome tie-in and now we're growing the, the brand to support other people's activated lifestyles. But the point is, is what I thought Mountain Made was seven years ago is not what it's turning into. Yes. And it took seven years to flesh that out before we really found like the way to allow Mount made the brand to impact the greatest amount of people. Yeah. I was having a conversation earlier today and the thought hit me. Growth is not a sharp turn. Hmm. Growth is a, is a long evolution of knowledge and, 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 you know, awareness and relationships, but it's never a sharp turn. And I, and I think people get that confused. I think people oftentimes get impatient because they want growth to be a sharp turn. I'm going to get there quick. And all of us do it. I'm sure when you were broke, it was like, man, I just want something to happen quick so I, so I can have some money, you know, and, and it's the same. But we have to have that patience and that understanding that growth is a slow evolutionary process built of all of these elements of experiences and relationships and knowledge and awareness. And, and, and that's exactly what you're saying is that it's a slope that takes us somewhere that actually provides more value than if we would have made a quick sharp turn somewhere and ended up some, you know, at a place that didn't mean as much. Yeah, totally. I just wrote that down. That's, that's wonderful. You know, it's because it really is. I mean, it's, it's difficult and that's why, you know, I knew for a fact I was going into these uh, incubator classes. I joined twice. It was like six weeks and they paired you with a successful entrepreneur and you had to create a business plan. Then you had to pitch it. I wasn't interested in doing any of those businesses. I just wanted the practice. Right. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, and that was in 2012, 13, you know, my actual real business started in 2015. I had years of dedicated time just being around successful people. I've always kind of worked for small businesses too. So even if you go back to that, I got my first job at 15. Yeah. You know, so it was 13 years of shadowing small business owners. So if people have an itch to try and do their own business, it's not like an all in thing. If you have a full time job, God bless your heart, keep the job. Yes. You know, yeah. you hear about these entrepreneurs and they, they left everything. Well, let me tell you something. They did after eight years of fleshing it out yes. when it made sense. I've taken risks and left jobs because I thought the next thing on a whim, and, you know, then you learn, hey, you're bipolar and you make, you know, bad decisions. And it wasn't actually a good decision. It was something in your head, don't you? You know, but that is. Those were mistakes. I should have never done that. I should have kept a job like Mountain Made right now. I have a full-time cannabis wholesale firm that I run that keeps a roof over my wife and I said, it's successful. We do great. I can take my time with Mountain Made now. Mountain mm -hmm. Made does not have to pay my mortgage. So once Mountain Made is, is successful and we're pulling revenue, I'm going to go start the third business. And yes. once that's up and running, I'm going to go start the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. My goal is in my 40s, a year and a half away, I want to start to accelerate more and more and more small businesses till I drive myself nuts by 50. And then I want to retire and I want to consult and I want to oversee other people who are like myself and help them step through that process too.
But, you know, that's a 12-year plan. But absolutely, man, not that. I wish someone would have put that in front of me. Growth is not a sharp turn because I've made some sharp turns. And a lot of those came from, you know, uh, mental illness. Yes. But my mental illness is also what makes me a good entrepreneur, right? So I found a fit for that. I, 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 I stopped the medication, which is not for everyone. But I learned to draw that and had a place for it. And again, entrepreneurship, small business has been such a blessing to me because it's, and it's literally my lifestyle. I needed a consistent lifestyle. And the way I found it was through small business. I, I do this every single minute of the day that I'm up, I'm functioning at work. So, you know, it, it was just, it was, it was, it's, it's just such a solid opportunity for people. If it's meant for you, it's a hundred percent meant for you and you you'll get there, but just let the process go. I, I will tell you, I didn't, I came to that statement through similar experiences as you that, you know, I, when you're saying I had, you know, full-time jobs, great jobs, whatever, left them on a whim, been there. Um, you know, turn down things that I probably should have taken. And I think, I think people that have this, you know, we call it being an entrepreneur. I, I just, right. I just call it DNA. Like I mentioned before, people that have that DNA, you know, really were almost counterculture. And, and, and Gary Vaynerchuk, you hear him say this constantly. Um, this whole being an entrepreneur isn't fabulous. And you, you described your story in great detail. And that is this mythological, it's become this mythological flaming dragon or unicorn that everyone thinks is awesome. And it is awesome if it's your DNA. If it's not, it can be incredibly damaging, just like for someone that needs to be an entrepreneur, that needs to decide how to use their time, going to an eight to five, I could never be a banker, ever. That would be the most boring job to me. Because yeah. it just doesn't feed my soul at the level I want to be fed. And, and so you're exactly right, man. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing if it's your path in life. Yeah. And that's where the magic happens. Is I tell people, young people all the time, use your late teens to mid-20s to find that path, to feed those passions. And then you have time to exercise on that in your late 20s. But, man, we rush people. We just we set these self expectations that are so high that it's just it's it's a setup for failure. Yeah, it is, and also you know I, I also listen to Gary Vee, and I would like to expand on that because he you know he makes a great point when he talks about you know the fake it till you make it, and how many folks on social media, you know we had a guy in the beginning when we started Mountain Made and. He wanted to be an influencer, and the one partner who's no longer with the company was just talking him up, and he was this, that, and the other. And I put up his Instagram page, and I was like, it looks really fake. Mm. Nah, man, look, he's so successful. He has a helicopter and all this stuff. Well, he sent us his address. He wanted some samples sent out. I Googled his address. It was a run-of-the-mill apartment in Chicago. <laughs> totally fake. Totally fake. Yeah. You know, and it's sim in, in a similar vein, I would blow people's minds. So at our peak, my cannabis wholesale firm, we had 15 employees. We dissolved the partnership in 2018, and I do it independently now. Mm. Um, I want to scale Mountain Made more than I want to rescale the wholesale firm. Right. So I still held several clients 
but it, it's peak. It was, it was a monster. So we would interview people all the time, a lot of sales roles, and I'd get these guys, they'd sit down, guys and gals, they'd sit down in, in suits and ties and had an incredible sales background. And, you know, everyone's going to come into the cannabis space and just redo it and make it their own. And it just rarely happens. And I'd show up in interviews pretty much like I am now. Because that was my thing is I put in the work to own the business. I can come and dress any way I want. I want to be, I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy. And that's how I like to roll. Yeah. So we'd be sitting there, they'd be in their nice clothes. I'd look like this. And I'd say this in every interview to make a point. I say, isn't it funny? A guy or gal like you trying to get in and a guy like me trying to get the heck out. Mm. And they'd stop. And they said, what do you mean? I said, this is technically not my industry, but our industry. People like me, this is our industry. You're trying to get in and we're all trying to get out. And you know why? Because it's not cool. It's right. a hustle. It's a pain in the butt. It's going to take everything out of you. You're going to have to love it. You're going to have to hate it. It's not what you think it is. Yeah. And it would really stop the interviews. And I'd say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you today. Go home. I'm not going to hire you today. I need you to go home. I'm not going to second interview for a week. I need you to truly get ready to throw away your 401k, your health benefits, your relationship with your family, your ability to refinance your home because now you're making drug money. All these things you haven't thought of because you think it's cool and it's going to look cutesy tootsy on your Instagram. And I'm going to protect your ability to make a living. Don't do this. Right. And they'd right. be like, wow, you're saying that? And I'd be like, I smoked weed before this interview. I'm going to smoke weed after. I love weed. So I'm willing to take the bumps and bruises because I love what I do, but it's not magical. It's not a unicorn. And people see entrepreneurism just like that. Yes. I want to yeah. retire. You can have all the small businesses you want. Take them. No. I'm out. I don't think it's cool. If you look at my LinkedIn, I have nothing about cannabis in my title. You can't even see it unless you read about me. You look at all the Johnny come lately's and it's CEO cannabis that CEO hemp this blah blah. There's six months in the game. Yeah. Like if you do it to try and be cool, just be fake and be fake cool. But if you love it, you gotta be ready to earn it. And and I love that you brought that up because Gary Vee is so right. There's no such thing as fake it till you make it. There's no such thing as a plug and play entrepreneur small business it's work yes. yes the weed industry cannabis is a lot of work i have to smoke weed to stay patient with the weed industry because it's <laughs> insane. insane that that's you know? that, that's the uh that's the the statement of the show i promise yeah, you i have to smoke weed to stay patient and I just want to be clear about that because I would say that all the time. The other thing I would do in interviews too, we'd interview for different positions and I'd have my business card sitting next to me. I was the COO. I was the co-founder. I was a co-owner and we were making a ton of money and everybody in the industry knew it. And we'd sit there and I'd say, you know, they'd say, well, what's the upward mobility in this company? And I'd slide in my business card and I'd say, there, that's you, man. You get to be that today. If that's what you want, I don't want it. What do you mean you don't want it? I said, man, I don't like being on the top because I'm bored and I want more to do. I want to take the company's money and start 10 other projects and have to start from the bottom mm -hmm. and be the guy that's got to show up and unlock the doors 
and watch something else grow. This is successful. This is not easy now, but it's it's chug. All we gotta do is give the thing an oil change every month, and and, and we're bound to you know. Here, if you want to be cool guy CEO COO, you you be that. I'd I'd rather be Johnny Nobody. That's got to show up tomorrow and clean the toilets on the new project. And, and that would also blow people's minds in an interview. I, I don't. Man, I want to start the new thing. Boots on the ground. Fresh. Dig the first hole in the trench. That's where I like to be. It's the difference between being in a position of creating and building versus oh. maintaining. Yep. And it's the difference between a leader and a manager. And again, we're going to circle back to what we keep saying. It's DNA. Some people just want to be managers. Some people want the turnkey system and they want to walk in and they just want to maintain. And some people are the leaders that say, nope, we got to strip it down. We can do it better. We can do something else. And those are two very, very, very different mindsets. And by the way, I want to tell people, we need both of those in the world. Totally. 100%. We need those, it's, it's again, it's not an either or, it's a find your path. And that's yeah. the, word, the word that kept coming to my mind when you were talking, Mike, was authenticity. And I have to, I have to attest, uh, your LinkedIn does not, uh, it, it's exactly how you said it was. It doesn't mention your, what industry you're in. It just mentions that you're a leader, a CEO, and you create companies. And I, I think knowing your field, knowing your atmosphere, that's what needs to be said in the LinkedIn atmosphere. And, and that's just being authentic. No, I, I totally agree. And, and, and that's probably what small business does for you most is it takes your pride and it just throws it in the garbage. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's like, look, you, if you want to do this or be this, you, be yourself. I tell people all the time, here's a quote for you is I, you know, I went to college. I barely graduated. I got a job out of college and it was wonderful. It was an incredible family. It was a Christian based organization. They put us through some Christian based leadership. That wasn't exactly up my alley, but I took from it so much. Mm-hmm. They ran an incredible company. I moved out to Telluride, Colorado, total 180, learned more about myself post college, fell in love with the mountains in Colorado. And then I did the greatest thing in the world and I merged the two yes. and I, the cannabis space gave me an opportunity. Here it is to be professional. It being myself. Yes. Ah, yep. yep. I'm professional being myself. I wake up on Mike patch and I go to work on Mike patch and I come home on Mike patch and I don't pull the Clark Kent routine where I wake up and I go to work and I'm something different and I come home and I'm back to being me. And again, if certain people do that and that's, their fit that's great for me it doesn't fit i have an opportunity to be professional being myself and i think small business owners and high level leaders all have that and that's what makes them great rather than good is they're able to you know it's a lifestyle they there's no on off it's just on yeah, it's this, it's this idea that nothing is separate, right? And, yep. and, and and it's easier to live life with nothing compartmentalized than constantly having to compartmentalize. Yep. And 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 that's what that's what I love about you mentioned that lifestyle identity that um, I, I love that saying, be professional at being myself. That that's just that's it. That encompasses the whole the whole idea. Yeah. Well, I, but I want to, go to back. your point, to your point, every small business owner needs 
a team of people. And inside that team, we needed people that showed up and just wanted to be there nine to five and work their tails off and fell in love with the company. And we gave them insurance benefits. You know, we, we paid them pretty well. So, you know, that's the balance. That's the yin to the yang. It is the leader and entrepreneur, you need to be, you know, all over the place and you need some stability and pillars. And that's where the matching comes together so well and can be so strong. And, 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 you know, then there's opportunities for everybody. Yes. You know, so I agree. I mean, you need all aspects to make a solid company run or else it just gets out of balance. Yeah, it's, it is. It's that knowing, um, knowing your weaknesses and shortcomings and surrounding yourself with people that are excellent in those areas. And, totally. And love and dedicated areas. to what they do as well. And man, I love seeing dedicated employees and team members, you know, it makes my day. And again, you know, I like to kind of, you know, I say things that might not make sense on the surface, but you know, there's a part of, you know, me that has, not jealous because that's not a good word, but envious of people who, um, you know, are happy with the nine to five or the eight to five, you know, because again, I mean, my brain can't turn off. I envy people that can take a day off. I'm like, man, what's that like? That must be great. I'll walk around my, I have two acre property. I'll walk around the dang on property for an hour and a half just because I don't know how to sit still. I'm doing nothing. You know, that's not healthy. Right. You know, it's better than going sitting face down at the bar like I used to. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I that's why I have a, a big property is, you know, this weekend I, I hand split all my own wood every winter. We have central heat, but I like to run the fireplaces. Mm-hmm. I hand split all my own wood just to give myself something to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy in itself. So I have this bit of envy to people that are like, you know, I shut down and just kick my feet up and watch football. And I'm like, that must be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's like, hey, well, we're off at five. We're going to get a beer or, you know, we're going to go watch the game. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch the game, but I'm going to be doing something else simultaneously. Right. You know, it's, right. it's that was me last night, actually. It was, you know, watching the game, yes, but my iPad and my computer and working through stuff and rebuilding a website. Totally. And, and, yeah. and it's, it's the same, you know, it's your brain just never stops. And it isn't, uh, that, that could also be the edge of insanity, to be totally honest. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. But again, that, that's just, we're driving the point home of if it's meant for you, man, chase it down, do it, do it, do it. If it's not, that's okay too. There's a place in the ecosystem for everyone. You know, there's a place for people to support the entrepreneur. You know, there's so many cool, you know, I love business. Businesses and ecosystem is so wonderful. It's, it's a shame that, you know, wealth and success in business can be demonized. It's interesting. Business is a creative form, just like art, but it has a, you know, when you say the words art and business and compare them, you know, it has a different rap. There's a lot of creativity in the business world. You know, business is an ecosystem. It's a living, breathing being entity. And I just, I've just really fallen in love with, with, business just as a word and an environment and an ecosystem i think it's so cool yeah yeah i want to come back to two things um first of all i want to come back to 
you kind of painted this picture for us of the, the transitional years of the, the, the CBD, the weed industry, you know, kind of going from this dirty word, you know, I mean, how many times have all of us heard that marijuana is a gateway drug? You know, people were literally for, for decades were taught that in school, you know, say no to drugs, especially marijuana, because it'll lead you to do everything else. And, um, and so we, we kind of transitioned from that to then it just became a dirty word. You know, you're looking late nineties, early two thousands, you know, it's like the more Snoop Dogg and Tupac rapped about it, the more it kind of became, Ooh, maybe it's, it's still a dirty word to most people, but not so much to some. And then, you know, early 2000s, things kind of shifted. And you've kind of been inside behind the veil of the business side of it, of having a shop, working at a shop when it was still, you know, kind of on the down low at best to now, I mean, gosh, there are pharmaceutical companies and cannabis farmers that, you know, you, you, you follow stuff on the stock market and cannabis companies are some of the strongest, most viable companies right now. What, what was that transition like um, from the standpoint of how people dealt with it, from the perception of the public? And what was that transition like? And what was your learning curve on going, okay, this is no longer as dirty of a word. There had to have been a pivot there going from kind of being, oh, we can't, we can't let them know we work for a cannabis shop to now able to be open and public about it. What was all of that? There had to be some interesting things taking yeah. place. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it sure was. So I got the job and I didn't tell my parents what I was doing for, man, it was six to eight months. They actually came out to tell you I had to visit that summer and I was telling them I was lawn and landscaping, but I couldn't point to any jobs I had done. And, you know, my mom assumed I was selling drugs, so it was semi-accurate. And, you know, I came home that Christmas, and it was Christmas Day breakfast, and my mom just threw her silverware down and was like, tell me what you're doing out there. And I went on like this two-hour conversation about cannabis and we're helping people and I've noticed this that and the other and by the end they were like is this what you want to do and I was like I don't know for right now it's what I'm doing mm. but yeah it's so first of all present day as it sits if you walked into any dispensary in Colorado anywhere regardless of the area town it was in the look of the building anything and you sat there for an eight-hour day and and you wrote down three demographics that you're going to see walk through that door it might be five percent of the people that walk through that door i bet you're 95 percent wrong on most of that it's incredible who walks through those doors nowadays yeah when we first started we were medical only in telluride so you had to be a colorado resident with a what we called red card and that was issued by a doctor but at that time our door was uh, literally just wide open you couldn't see in the back but we would get a ton of tourists in ah. well their thing back then they would walk into the front lobby and they talk to us about it but they weren't interested and so why in here we're, we're, we just we just wanted to see it hmm. well you came in because you had an interest well, no 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 the amount of people those people that now use cannabis man it's got to be super high yeah. we were breaking down the barriers you know, there were closet cannabis users that didn't want to admit to it 
because of the social or economical impact of it, it's grown dramatically, you know, and that's why in these interviews, I'll switch from saying weed to cannabis, you know, it's softer to say cannabis, but you know, it's still, it's like fun because it's still weed to a lot of us, you know, that took some high risk situations before all this was legal you know, it's weed, like it's fun. We sell weed, but it's cannabis. And the more people have seen it is that, but you know, the every day, and that's the thing is the most people that come into a dispensary are scheduled users of cannabis. They use it every night or every morning or every afternoon or all dang on day. It's rare that you see someone come in and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I just use this occasionally. Once you're using cannabis and you see its potential, you're in. You're in the club right. and you're, right. you're using it consistently. Even if it's just every evening. Now I have the luxury. I wake up and smoke weed in the morning and work out before work. <laughs> and it's fantastic. you know. I, and I can function all day smoking weed. It doesn't really bother me. A lot of people like smoking in the evenings. But dramatic increase in normalization. So then we went from dispensaries medical dispensaries to wreck and you really saw an influx of people and tourists but they wouldn't come in to just look they'd come in to buy because mm-hmm. yeah. no. now it's not just stigmatized well i don't know if i have a medical reason but i'm interested right and here's an important important thinking point there's no difference between recreational and medical cannabis at all whatsoever impossible to have a difference right so for the listeners if mitch and i go out to dinner and we both order a spinach salad and i order spinach because i like salad dressing and mitch orders a spinach salad because he knows how healthy spinach is i don't get any less health benefit because i don't know about the health benefits right no right. such thing as a recreational cannabis user at all we're all medical cannabis users even if you smoke cannabis to get high you're using cannabis to displace yourself mentally, which in itself is a medical benefit of recreational use. Mm-hmm. There's no difference. It's, it's an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Those words shouldn't even be used. It should just be called cannabis. Is yeah. this a rec dispensary? It's just a dispensary. It's just a dispensary. Now, so in 2014, I led a crew that helped 15 children manage epilepsy. Mm-hmm through raw oils, very crude extraction methods were used, clean but crude, to nowadays, it, you know, studies in Israel. Back then, we couldn't even do blood draws on the kids to measure their cannabinoid levels because you couldn't find a doctor crazy enough to get themselves mm. involved in that process. They would have lost their, their DEA license, their license to practice. Nowadays, you're seeing integration in, into big pharma. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. uh, w- when I first started in Telluride back in 2010, I would take my hands and hand grind the weed down, take two zigzags out of a pack, lick them, stick them together, roll giant Sharpie joints, hand them to you and sell you for 10 bucks. And there was nothing in our health codes or, you know, nothing in the rules and regs to say I couldn't do that. Wow. <laughs> no. Wow. It was totally le- that would be the equivalent of a so waiter or waitress licking your straw and putting it in your drink. <laughs> You'd yes. be like, "What are you doing?" Right, right. 
And now we're doing microbial pesticide, heavy metal, residual solvent, potency testing before you can move any product into the open markets. Wow. You know, I mean, the gaps and differences in 11 years is just absolutely incredible. You know, the only thing, I was talking to someone about this the other day, the only thing I can compare the growth and, and like you said, the closing of the gap in the, in the cannabis industry is technology. Yep. You know, th- those are really the only two things that have grown at such lightning speed in such a short amount of time. I mean, it's, it's you, I mean, you just take something as small as someone who liked to smoke weed on the weekends, but had to go to a job. If they got, if they got tested on Monday mornings, they feared for everything. Right. You know, because it was in the category of every other drug for the most part. And to see where things have shifted, the only other other thing I can compare it to is technology. You know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, if you could text message, you could only text message within carrier on a T9 flip phone. Yeah. And and now we're carrying, I mean, you're doing a podcast on your phone because it's what you have right now. Like it's incredible when you think about it. And those two industries, there's not another industry that can compare to the growth of those two industries. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's pretty incredible, you know, how much tax revenue that we bring in and, you know, not to make light of our current situation, but man, it cracked us all up to be considered essential. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, Denver, yeah, Denver technically had prohibition for two hours. They shut us down for two hours and the mayor's phone, Twitter, email, social media blew up. And they retracted it within two hours because they're like, all right, all right, all right, we're, we'll leave it be. I mean, to be considered essential during a global, you know, pandemic. And 11 years ago, my friends and family were like, come on, man, you need to get a real job. You're almost 30. You need to grow up. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting in a nice house on two acres is an essential industry. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's that passion piece. I was not cool. 11 years ago doing this, it was cool on the inside in the industry, man, we were cool as, you know, cool as cats around. We thought we were top dogs, you know, but from outsiders looking in, man, we were glorified drug dealers. We need to get a line, you know? So even just the perception there and the ability for people to stop in. So you really started to see it around 13, 14, a lot of older folks would come in with their kids and they'd be like, look, my, my mom or dad does not want to be here. And I'd always lighten up the situation. I'd say the same thing every time. I said, shit, I don't want to be here either. You know, it's work. Like, right. let's, let's leave and go hang out. Like, let's do something fun, you know, because I was working it behind the counter, helping yeah. dispensaries kind of grow their teams and their businesses and, and manage customers. Um, and you would see it slowly. Yeah. And you'd say, look, ma'am, sir, we're not here to get you high. We're going to start you small. We were talking about micro dosing way back in the day, two and a half milligrams, you know, and helping it. And then they would get comfortable with it. And you see in three, four weeks later, you know, Hey, Johnny, Susie, how you doing? Great. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm doing now, Mike? What? I'm eating those gummies during the day. Cause I think it makes me feel fun. <laughs> like what? <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? I sneak in half or a quarter piece during the day and I go to, you know, bridge or knitting class and man, I just giggle the whole time. And you're like, that's incredible. So you saw people sort of self evolve and normalize themselves. We weren't even pushing it. You know, I got a great story where I was doing some brand ambassador work for uh, an infused joint, getting them off the ground. And 
this older gal walked in probably in her 60s and i said hey we have you know joints on sale today it's a special and she goes oh no i only smoke concentrates <laughs> and i was like word she's like oh yeah i'm the coolest lady at the retirement park like i hang out and smoke dabs all day and i'm like that's so cool you know but she self-evolved she let herself get into it found her own products and her pathway and then you just see people get into it and it makes you feel good and you know i would always start conversations off say you know i've seen cannabis and hemp fails many times as i've seen it work right right bottom line. it's not for everyone but when it is for people man they just love it they just love it yeah so so talking about product um I, I kind of want to go through this a little bit. And for those listening to the show, um, in the show notes on YouTube, we'll have a link to Mike's website, mountainmade.life. And it's got uh, really, really three, three main products right now, Build, Boost, and Recover. Yeah. Um, coming soon, you've got the dogs product. And so since we're, you, you kind of alluded to um, a little bit of the, you know, the microdosing, different strands, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to get so deep into this that people can't follow. Yeah. But your website, A, really, really well done, man. Whoever built that Thank for you. you. Easy to read, easy to shop, easy to look at. I have to say, I learned something, not, not that I know a ton about CBD and, and uh, cannabis, but I did learn something. I had no idea that a build type product so, so for those listening, we're talking about um, for athletes, for people, you know, going to the gym, building. Uh, I had no idea that existed, man. I had kind of heard of the other two before, recovery, especially. I think a lot of people, you know, you're talking about people that have arthritis, people that have yeah. epilepsy. We, we've kind of, those stories have kind of been publicized. Um, I've heard of athletes taking recovery type CBD for exactly that, you know, after they play, after they work out, nursing an injury. But the whole idea of a build, that, that's, that really piqued my curiosity. I was like, wow. So give us some little, little thoughts about the three products you have, about what's coming. Um, and that way people, you know, let's give everyone a little teaser. How about that? That way we can push them over to your site. Yeah, that's great. So first and foremost, most of what people know about CBD is false. It's mm. poor information. Mm. It's from people. So here's, here's, here's a little, first of all, CBD is best in a high dose and science is proving that science is saying up to 600 milligrams is where you're going to find your therapeutic value daily. 1500 milligrams is your peak. After that, you may create some toxicity THC. You can achieve therapy in small doses because the, the therapy that most people are shooting for with THC has to do with euphoria. You can eat okay. two and a half milligrams of THC and it will get you high, which is euphoria. I've watched a lot of pain patients struggle and have to updose on THC. And even people that are trying to fight tumors with THC, you're taking a thousand milligrams a day for 90 days to decrease your tumor. Wow. THC wow. gets a rap for being able to be used in small doses because if you use it in high doses, you get super euphoric and sometimes people can't handle that cannabinoids are meant for high dose that's fallacy number one so these products that are telling you to take two five ten milligrams a day of cbd are selling you snake oil bottom line snake oil mm. our 50 milligram build tablet is for that it's for you to build a baseline in your body and titrate up throughout the day 
Hmm. Fallacy number two is CBD is a molecule, standalone molecule, is not sedative at all. Hmm. In fact, we're going to release some brain mapping in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to prove that CBD spikes brain and creative and cognitive activity. That's why we promote build in the morning one to two tablets with caffeine, and you're going to feel plugged in. You're going to yeah. be feeding your brain the right food to create beta waves, not theta waves, and you're gonna get a boost of mental energy. What makes CBD sedative is all these oils on the market and the other terpenes and other cannabinoids are sedative. We're just running CBD right now. And CBD standalone does work because work for the general population is not super specific. If you have a severe ailment, the reason you use full spectrum oil is because you don't know what in cannabis is actually working for that. Ah, gotcha. More generalized. When, when people have cancer and they say, I'm going to take Rick Simpson oil. First of all, they don't know what they're talking about because all it is is raw oil. It's not that Rick Simpson did anything except extract raw oil. Right. Every time you extract that oil, the profile of cannabinoids is different. So if you buy raw oil off me and raw oil off some other dude down the street, his might cure your tumor. Mine might not because there's one or two things that mine didn't have that his have. And we don't know what those one or two things are. Wow. So there's no miracle to full spectrum oil. You're just shotgun approaching. It might work today. It may not work tomorrow. It'll wow. work this batch. It may not work the next batch. So the reason that we use CBD isolator, standalone CBD, is because then our customers know what they're going to get every single time. We're working on introducing other pieces of the puzzle, but strategically and consistently. So we'll save that conversation for another day. Yes, yes. The other reason, fallacy number three, is tincture, which is the oil droplets, are garbage and should have never hit the market to begin with. They're garbage. And let me tell you why. Please. If you don't hold that oil under your tongue for a full 45 seconds, you're going to get less than 6% of that dose. Hmm. Let's go back and talk about high dose again. Tinctures at most have 3,000 milligrams in the bottle. You get 36 droppers. Let's make the math easy. Let's say you get 30 droppers. That's 100 milligrams a bottle or dropper. But if you only get 6% of the dose, you're only getting 6 milligrams. You bought snake oil. It does nothing for you. Huh. Show me by a show of hands how many people would hold oil under their tongue for 45 seconds. Not many hands are going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. So why is tincture on the market and why is it so popular? Great question. Have you ever made a batch of, I won't say brownies because that's too weed relevant. Let's say cake. A, a, a cake. <laughs> too weed okay. relevant. I love yeah. that. <laughs> a cake, right? A cake takes two tablespoons of oil, tops. If you put in four, the cake would never form because it'd be too oily. Right. There's nothing you, if you get too much oil in any recipe, whether it's spaghetti sauce or cakes or brownies or anything, you can't, it doesn't form up into anything. Right. When we first extracted hemp, we didn't have the technology to pull the THC out. So if the legal threshold is 0.3%, and that's in the plant, and you extract it, you've concentrated that. Now your THC levels go up to 3, 4, 
Mm. We just made 55 gallons of hemp oil and it's over the legal threshold. So it's not hemp anymore. It's cannabis. And because you can't have a cannabis and a hemp license at the same time, you're now a felon. You now have 55 gallons of illegal oil. First thing we did was pour other oils into that to dilute it. Here's all your grapeseed oil. Here's all your hemp oil. Here's all your coconut oil. Now to take that 3% back down to 0.3%, now you have legal hemp oil again, okay? Go back to the cake example. What the heck product can you build with a ton of oil? That's it. The only end product you can build with a ton of oil is tincture. That's why tinctures roll out is because we didn't have the extraction capabilities to create distillate and isolate. Distillate and isolate, you can make all kinds of products with. We were unable to do that at a commercial scale. Tincture was literally the only product you could make. The consumer sees that, self-educates by what they see, not what they know, and they go, oh, CBD oil comes in a bottle. It works. It doesn't work. You're buying snake oil. Yeah. And the industry knows that. That's why Mount Mabel will never launch a tincture ever, ever, ever. Right. Tinctures were the only product in 2010, 11, and 12 that we could really make in the cannabis space because our oils were so raw. We hadn't learned to distill them and refine them. Tinctures fell off right around 2011 and 12 because we learned how to refine them better. And you got your gummies, your brownies your vape pens, no one's ever put a tincture back on a cannabis shelf before. There's like two brands that do it these days and they make no money. They make no money. Right. So people have to realize just because you see it on a shelf doesn't mean it's a good product. I I get really passionate when I talk about tinctures because it's such a snake oil. Yeah. It just is, is it's unfortunate. There was so much money spent on tinctures and so little value given to the person who spent that hard-earned money. It's yeah. super unfortunate. That's why we do tablets. That's why we do high-dose tablets. And that's why we don't jump into the broad-spectrum, full-spectrum marketing game. We have a consistent product that delivers to your body quickly, and it works. It's, it's simple. It's CBD isolate in a tablet. It's simple. Yeah, so tying into that, your your um, built product is a 50 milligram tablet. Your totally. boost is a 10 milligram chewable. Yep. I mean, your recovery is a 25 milligram chewable, just to give people yes. an idea. So I want to also, on your website, you've got this in big pink kind of, make sure you read this. And I want to get to this because for some of our listeners, this will be very important. Um, you have a big, big disclaimer, zero THC. Yeah. So if someone's never dealt, you know, say someone has heard this conversation, they really find you intriguing. They're like, I at least want to check out the website. I know nothing about all what this guy's talking about. Explain sure. what zero THC, why is that um, important and valuable to a shopper on your site? Yeah, absolutely. So I cannot make a full claim but what i can tell you is it lowers the probability of ever failing a drug test our cbd is 99.9 percent pure cbd we can test that and show that that's our input 
So that 0.1% is made up of all kinds of stuff, potentially super small slivers of THC. Right. Our lab tests to 0 0.0016 milligrams per gram. So we send in a gram of isolate, and they're saying we can tell you for a fact that for every gram of CBD, there's less than 0 0.0016 grams of THC. THC. So essentially zero, and you would have to eat so many of our tablets to have any measurable THC in your system, we can say zero THC. So, so for the totally ignorant person, the difference in CBD THC, explain yeah. that really quickly. Yeah, so they're, they're, they both create a sense of euphoria. THC creates euphoria through a psychotropic effect or being high, right? When I'm high, I love being high. Sometimes I get a little paranoid, you just ride it out, right? That's the mind change is the psychotropic effect. CBD creates a euphoria because it decreases anxiety, increases cognition. So you're euphoric because you just feel better, right? But not the high that people relate CBD to. CBD is non-psychoactive. Yeah. Right. So you don't get high, but you can create euphoria because you might just feel better because you're calmer, you're thinking straighter, you're more productive. So, you know, a lot of our customers still get drug tested. So right. we don't want any THC in our products. Now we may launch an independent product of like THCAV or Delta 8 THC or some really exotic cannabinoids down the road. We'll let people know about them and they'll know exactly what they're buying. But it's very important to our customers to not have THC because, you know, a lot of folks still cannot have THC in their bodies at all. Right. Well, then someone may want to use the benefits of CBD without the tea, you know, so sometimes that's also a, uh, let's call that a cultural or conscientious, conscientious, can't even say the word, <laughs> um, decision. You know, someone sure. may want the benefits of that CBD side, but not want the high per se. Right. And, and, right. And that, and that's, that's something that your company is someone that could offer them, um, help in that area. So, yeah. yeah. Now let's ask the hard question. Hey, Mike, doesn't CBD work best or better with THC? And I'll say, yes, you're absolutely right, but here's a counter question. Can you tell me in what instances that's an accurate statement, mm. crickets? Right, crickets. Which, which is part of the, the diatribe that you went on earlier that yep. kind of alluded to all of that, yeah. Right, yeah. Are, is epilepsy best served with a combination of THC and CBD? For years, we said yes. I was just on a phone with a buddy of mine mm -hmm. who's saying now it's not THC as we know it, which we count as Delta 9 THC. They're now saying it's super light elements of THCV that mm -hmm. actually help with epilepsy. So when we're selling these kids this oil with their parent and doctor consent, mind you, Again, it was a shotgun approach. We didn't know what tiny element was helping with epilepsy. Why did kids go back into epileptic fits sometimes and not others? Maybe it was a thousandth of a milligram of THCAV that we didn't even know about at the time. Right. So people right. making these ridiculous claims like full spectrum oil cured everything. You have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. And until you can point some science in that direction, you're selling people snake oil. Even if their product 
cured someone's tumor, to me it's still technically snake oil because they cannot point at what did that. And if you can't, don't point your finger. Be excited about it, but don't market it like you have some cure from God and you don't understand it and you're trying to rake people over the coals for another 70 bucks. Like it's just not fair. It's not well, fair to the That's a practice they've learned from big pharma. Totally. It, and, and, and it's, and it's, we see it every day in TV commercials. I just saw one right. earlier, um, actually last night watching that football game, <laughs> the commercial yeah. was an antidepressant that in the disclaimer said, this may cause you to become more depressed. Right. And, and right. that's the principle you're talking about. They don't totally. even know. They don't even know. Right. Right. So if they don't know, then some dude named Mike <laughs> that sells weed for a living, he don't know either. And yeah. I would tell all my customers in the dispensary, I don't know. I'm not here to cure your problem. I'm a guide along your cannabis journey. I'm your consultant, right? Because all a consultant does, a consultant shows up to a production facility and they don't have the frazzledness of the business going under or the machine being broke. They're a set of eyes that's calm, cool, and collected. And they go, did you tighten that bolt? Right. And you're like, ah, right. Ah, here's your 10 grand. Get out of here. All I am for people in cannabis is a calm, cool, collected mind that's able to go, did you ask these hard questions? Yeah. You were fed a bunch of bull. Did you look here, here, and here? You don't have to buy my product. Right. Uh, that's, that's totally fine. I just don't want you to buy in fair products. Don't, don't, don't waste money. You know, if you're in amount made cool, if you have any more questions, email me, I'll email you back. But at the end of the day, I don't like seeing people taken advantage of from those newbies that I was talking about who don't even know. And they're making ridiculous statements about, right. I've looked into the eyes of parents of elderly people passing away of children with epilepsy of someone's wife of 10 years who's in stage three MS of Parkinson patients of pain patients that are talking about taking their own lives because they can't stop the pains. I've looked into those people's eyes and I've tried to help them. Some of them I have, some of them I have not been able to help. I, I get tired of this newbie garbage yeah. that I hear go put in the work and right. help your community first and then try and get rich. Like, I've put in the work. I'm trying to sell people a decent product at a decent price. Go do your own homework, right? I think we have a great product, but I won't even say that. I'll call it decent just to be fair. Right. And, and it goes back to that authenticity, right? That, that idea that um, they're, they're, there's a sacredness to being authentic. And the sacredness is putting in the work. The sacredness is honor and dignity and no matter what the genre or the business or the product is all of those are the elements that build that authenticity and 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 that um i i you know I, i've known you for a couple hours um but looking at at your your work and your experience and hearing your story i think if anything exudes from you outside of knowledge because it's obvious and you're rapping to us about stuff and i'm sure half the people are like Okay, I'm going to have to listen to this episode again, <laughs> but I love that. I love that we can provide value with authenticity to, to people. Totally. And I do want to say, I want to, I want to bring up, I want to circle back to one more thing before we start rounding out the show. Yeah. And real, I just want to touch on our, after you, I want to touch on our product line too, because I went on a tangent, but I'll, I'll let people know more about Build, Boost, Recover, Dog, and then what to expect over the next three months from Mount Maid. 
let's close out the show with that if that's cool. Sure. Um, that way it's on top of people's minds. But um, I, I do want to make kind of a disclaimer. Obviously, and everyone knows, um, Mike is not a doctor, but he, he is a man of knowledge and over a decade of experience. And so just, just make sure that as a listener, as you're learning from Mike and as you get on his website, um, he has some other podcasts he's been on on his website. Listen to his advice and knowledge, um, but go search it for yourself, but don't fall into the tunnel of just the Google search. I, I think we're kind of in this culture that, oh, I had an ailment, I Google searched it, here's what I can get. And for me, one thing that you've brought to the surface is not everything you see meets the eye, whether it is from a PhD medical physician or from a consultant like you who has vast knowledge. Um, so for those of you listening, make sure you do your homework. Um, we're going to give Mike's information here in a minute, and that way you can follow up with him or whoever else he has, you know, as a uh, on his team. But so I want to circle back to because it's important. You actually mentioned uh, dealing with mental health and dealing with addiction. I, I don't want. I don't. We can have another show later, or maybe we dig into that a little deeper. What I would love to hear from you for those people listening that may be struggling with that. You mentioned that being an entrepreneur and that work has kind of become your new drug, but, but work isn't the internal um, battle. Work is an external manifestation that we can fill our needs with. What have you done in your life internally through your journey, mentally, emotionally, to help overcome some of those things? I don't really believe a person permanently overcomes it. I just think we become stronger and smarter and can battle it a little. We become the wise samurai, right? Where we can step into battle a little more prepared. What are some things that you would want to give the listeners? Someone right now that maybe today was a bad day. They, they need to hear, hear something. Um, what are some things that you could give them, some tools in their toolbox that you've used outside of work that have helped you become the man you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very routine oriented now. Um, fitness is, is a big part of my life, you know, and I change up my fitness routine, you know, in the summers, I like to be outside more in the winters. I get more into, you know, push-ups and strength training. I'm back into running again for the 15th time I come and go from running. <laughs> huge routine is massive for me. You know, I need to stick to my routine. Um, about six, seven years ago, it was 2014 at the last company I worked for before I stepped out onto my own. We, our team was doing pretty good. There was some internal combustion going on and he brought in one of his best friends. Who's now my spiritual mentor. And I got into uh Kabbalah Kabbalistic practices, which is Jewish mysticism. And she reads my birth charts every year and gives me guidance for that year on what the stars are saying I'm supposed to work on. I do daily listenings. I scan the Zohar, which is the original Aramaic text. Um, so finding sort of a, a religious um, path that makes sense to myself has been super helpful. I grew up Catholic. It never really resonated, but I believe in a higher power. So Kabbalah or mysticism through the stars has helped it make sense to me and be more applicable. Uh, finding my wife five years ago and having her be able to plug into those practices as well. 
she's in coven class, which is like witch school. So she's a good witch. And she studies a lot of stars and, and learns about 5D living rather than 3D living. You know, that's been very helpful. Daily reminders, you know, like this morning I had a small bit of road rage. I was yelling at someone and, you know, that's a failure. And, and I just coached myself the rest of the way to, way to work, like unneeded, you know, we're going to work on that tomorrow again, you know, come back to it. Why was it unneeded? What did I think I wanted to get out of it? What did I actually get out of it? How much was it stake to lose if it spiraled out of control? So I have real conversations with myself. I journal three, four times a week. In my journals, I've watched them grow. You know, if you read a journal from 1450, man, it was sad. You know, it was like, I hope this, I hope that. And now my journals have gotten to, you know, thank you for the chaotic morning this morning. I know it's going to work out because the past six years have worked out. Right. You know, so recognizing that the minute to minute is different than the month to month has been a huge ability. Uh, you know, talking in, in different tones um, and, and, and just, you know, being honest with, with myself, um, but putting down the, the drugs, not drinking to get drunk, just drinking to enjoy a couple of beers, you know, because that takes two, three, four days to get that out of your system and get back on the path. Uh, yard work for me is massive because it just, you know, my property, there's always something to do, man. And if there's not, I'll just go split wood. Right. You know, August, I'll split wood, you know, really just finding authenticity in, in myself. We had our wedding and I had a couple cousins who were out. We did the whole thing ourselves. And I mean, I was in my pajamas setting up the wedding up until about 10 minutes before I walked down the aisle and I was cool as a cucumber and people noticed it. Yeah. And I, you know, I just told them, I said, I've been putting in a lot of work out here over the past couple of years. But that's just it is, you know, everything I just mentioned, you're not going to start that tomorrow. You're not going to start it next year. I've been journaling for years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've just been layering on as I go. Yes. yes. And to your point, you know, I don't identify with ADHD or depression or anxiety or bipolar or anger issues. I'm documented as having all of those. I identify with myself. And I just call, you know, myself bat s crazy. And it's easier <laughs> for me to just say that than to identify with only one specific label. Cause then I think people might want to own that label and I've released them. Right. But right. I'll always be a little bananas. But Kabbalah will teach you that each lifetime is a new tacoon. Mm -hmm. And that tacoon leads you to a better path next lifetime. And then you just keep going. So it is a process, and I think this lifetime, I'll leave this lifetime as a better person than I started this lifetime, so I don't get too hard on myself for the times I slip up, because I do all the time. And that's important to realize too quick, is when I do these podcasts, and I appreciate all the compliments you've given me, you know, this is an hour, hour and a half, don't heroize me, right? Don't take this and go, oh, he's got to, I, I don't, I, I'll hang up the phone and go yell at the dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Taking too much out of this podcast and seeing me as something I'm not because I speak well and I can hold it together for an hour and a half is like seeing Jeff Bezos as a trillionaire and not recognizing the 19 years people called him a loser 
because he technically was a loser. He's in his garage selling books. Right. Like, that's not cool. Right. They're not the Jeff Bezos we knew, right? So don't heroize too much and get down on yourself because you're like, oh, I heard this great podcast last night and I failed today. Man, I'm going to, the second I hang up this phone, I'm going to fail. Yeah. And that's okay. We're all human, right? We're all human. We're all human. Just recognize it and get on the path. Just because you're on the path, you're not going to swing a 900, you know, a thousand, bat a thousand. Just get on the path. That's the best place to start. And if you fall down today, the best thing you can do is get back up as slow as you need to. Yeah. And, and just begin again. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, fall down seven, stand yeah. up eight. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And for some of us, you have to add 200 to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To cover the week. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just very accepting of myself. Yes. And I think that's yeah. number one place to start. Self-awareness. Self-awareness is the door to self-compassion. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mike, go back to your products real quick and, and touch Yeah. On cool. So build 50 milligram CBD tablet, load your body up with that CBD goodness um, they're priced at $74.99 for 60 counts. So you can take two a day. You can subscribe at $69.99. You're not going to find CBD less expensive than that. Um, if for some reason you're financially struggling, email me. I'll make it less expensive than that. No problem. Awesome. Boost 10 milligram chewable designed to take two to three during the course of a day. It does have electrolytes, which not everyone needs. Um, Recover 25 milligram chewable with magnolia in the evening. So the whole product system is designed to deliver up to 155 milligrams of CBD a day. Uh, that subscription is $99 a month. So you can get 155 milligrams of CBD a day for a month for 99 bucks. Dog will roll out this week, next week. Uh, it's a tablet. You throw it in your dog's bowl. Your dog eats it up with its food. Those are our base products. We're building more and rolling them out throughout the year. Uh, we have a 50 milligram chewable with vitamin A, C, D3, E, and zinc for healthy immune system. We should have that to market in four or five weeks. Um, we're doing a woman specific line, thinking 75 milligrams of CBD with healthy vitamins and minerals to support them through their monthly cycles. And we're going to coach up to two tablets, three tablets a day. So we'll probably sell it in a 30-count bottle. Wow. We have some infused coffee rolling out. So you can start your day with infused coffee and your build. Um, we have a chewable that we're looking at that has some really incredible pre- and probiotics, healthy fermented uh, fruit, chewable, fizzy, healthy sugar for your teeth. So. Our product is a product line is a system and it's meant to have everyday items with vitamins and minerals so that you'll take it consistently and always be increasing the amount of CBD in your body. Look at the science. Yeah. I mean, anxiety, they're saying three to 600 milligrams a day, wow. Wow. a day. So we want to deliver a high quality CBD product, pair it with vitamins and minerals, That'll help you have a successful day um, in, in high dose, high dose, high dose, high dose. I will say for that, I think you said it was 99 a month for the whole system, build, boost, and recover. 
Um, yeah, on subscription. That's uh, on the subscription. That's a uh, that's a really really good price for anyone. Forty six hundred and fifty milligrams of CBD for ninety nine dollars a month. I don't know if you can find CBD on the market that's less expensive than that. Well, not just CBD, but any any type of build recovery system. Um, yep. You know, just even the supplements I take, I, I keep you know kind of keep on the market on those. And ninety nine bucks a month, that's a heck of a deal. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Again, I just reflect on the times that you know I helped a, a twelve you know year old kid or a five year old kid whose parents moved from Texas or Rhode Island or Florida, everything to get their kids CBD oil. Yeah. So that they didn't have seizures and, and, and man, I was broke. They were broke. I didn't have five kids. I didn't uproot and leave like that's in my DNA that we keep talking about. I've looked in those people's eyes. I know what it's like to have to give up a meal or take a gas to get your cannabis. Uh, man, if someone really needed it, I'd probably just mail them free product to be honest with you. Honestly, if there's a listener out there who can't and they need it, email me. It, it'll we'll send you a bottle, or we'll send you a bottle every month. We're not worried about it. Awesome, man! That, and that just shows how much you believe in your product and and uh, and what you're doing. Mike, we're gonna start wrapping up. Uh, I do this with every guest. It's a speed round. Five okay. questions, one word answers only are the rules. You ready? Okay. Uh, yep. Regarding books, do you prefer digital or paper? Paper. Coffee or tea? Coffee. What's one guilty pleasure you have besides weed? Bush light. Okay. Uh, one thing you can't live without? My glasses. <laughs> Thank you for wearing your glasses. Uh, what's your favorite season? Fall, summer, winter, spring? Fall. Yeah, same. Especially in Colorado. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Mike, this has been awesome, brother. This has been uh, not only educational, but inspirational. And I think we've given the people some really, really deep knowledge to consider from a variety of fronts. Uh, folks, make sure you go to Mike's uh, company's website, mountainmade.life. And um, like I said, we'll put that in the show notes. Mike, where can they follow you on social media? What's the best place? Yeah, so we have a company page. It's um, at M-N-T-M-A-D-E. Um, currently, so I told you I get my astrological charts read every year. This year, um, inside the charts, it actually, my challenge this year is to be silent. Ah. Uh, it's a very, very difficult year to be silent. So I'm actually off all of my personal social media. I logged off in April and I won't be returning till next July. Uh, so personally, I'm not on social media and, and, and I'm hitting this really difficult goal this year of, of, of being silent. So outside of the podcast, I've, I've no interaction on any type of media. I've, I've removed myself. Give us that, uh, give us that company handle again. Yeah. M N T M A D E mountain made. And it's funny. Most people abbreviate mountain M T N right. Man, that Midwest accent, I see it as mountain. So MNT is how the company got his name because I'm from Ohio and that's just what we do, you know. Right. I love it. I love it. All right, go follow Mountain Made MNT MNT M A D E uh, on social media, folks. And again, check out the website. It's full of some great product and um, and great information. Mike, once again, thanks, brother. This has been amazing. And thank you, and thank you so much to all your viewers for taking the time to listen to 
I got here in Colorado rambling about cannabis, hemp, and weed. Brothers and sisters, I hope you are safe during this time. We are still in the middle of a crazy season in life. But as we talked about today, the the most important thing is, number one, loving yourself, being self-aware, love the ones around you that are closest to you, and find your path. Make that your mission this year. During this time of turmoil and unease, I think the number one thing would be to find the place that you would like to call home, um, internally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Thanks for listening to The Mitch Gray Show. Please follow us on social media at M. Gray Media. Subscribe to the show and our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, and we will talk to you soon.